You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. You know, it's a really fun fact. What? We voted today. We sure did. It took a long time. Yeah. Although it's interesting because I was like, oh gosh, the, you know, the pressure's on. But then I was like, it is so nice that I can sit here and do research as I vote, as opposed to trying to cr- like cr- like cram for a test that is voting where you're like, I don't remember any of these names. Yeah. I distinctly remember when I voted in the 2016 election being like, I forgot how many people are on ballots. Like my first election, I got to vote for Barack Obama. And I think I was just like so hyped up on that, that I was like, did, I did not remember anything else. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the, the, uh, polling place in Ann Arbor. And I was like, Oh, there are other races yeah, and other things. Mm-hmm. So it was great that we got to sit down examine the issues. I mean, we did not have to think about who we were voting for for president. I want to make that very clear. No, 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 no. That was an immediate Joe Biden. And if you are still thinking about who you need to vote for, you just need to nut up and vote for him. I know I didn't want to either, but that's your that's the option. Yeah, we both sat here and we were like, just double checking that that's the box we filled in. It's terrifying. Like, yeah. it feels so life or death. Because, mm-hmm. oh, oh, it is. <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. Um, but honestly, I, I just started that to, to let you guys know that we are practicing what we preach and engaging in, you know, participating in our civic responsibility of voting. Um, and we're just want to remind you guys, if you are American citizens and of an eligible age to vote, we implore you to. Yes. Make a plan. That's what people have been saying. Make a voting plan. Yeah, make a voting plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are planning on voting in person, wear the necessary PPE. Uh, Also, a lot of states have early voting going on right now. So if your state is one of them, Illinois, I know specifically is, check it out. Um, you can also request an absentee ballot and drop off your ballot in person if you are, you know, worried about the mail. Um, We both voted absentee in the great state of Michigan. Um... We yeah. are, for the record, very worried about the mail, but dropping it off was not an option. <laughs> no, no, because we live in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I didn't mean to start this with a bandstand because I'm sure people are like, get to the finale, but it's important. Yeah. Yeah. All of the, all of the celebrities are talking about it. So why so can't why we? why can't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, I just don't understand. Like, I voted in every election since I've turned 18, and it's... I like love that I get to vote. That feels good. Like, why do people are like, people are like, this is the first election I'm ever voting in. And I'm like, okay, well, good that you're voting, but huh? you didn't participate before. I think the moment in the breakfast club when Anthony Michael Hall is like, well, why do you have a fake ID? And he's like, oh, so I can vote. That really stuck with me. Yeah. My whole that really did. It, it hit me. Um, and yeah, it's like, when you see a Twitter poll and you kind of get angry that you don't know the reference it's making because you want to be able to participate in the vote. Yes. Yeah. But like on a national scale, like you should take this opportunity to participate. Down ballot races are important. Yep. Yep. Anywho, uh, speaking of like life and death situations, (laughs) uh, we're here to talk about the finale of season three, a of teen wolf on the teen wolf, free wolf podcast podcast where, we're going we're gonna to get into it, the nitty-gritty of season three of Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. And we're ready to rock and roll. I think so. Yeah. Um, this episode is called Lunar Ellipse. I don't... Is it supposed to be like, 
dot, 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 to be continued in season 3B. Like, is that the ish? I think you could have accomplished that by literally adding an ellipsis at the end of Lunar Eclipse, but sure, maybe. Uh, No, I find it extremely confusing. And unfortunately, I think sometimes people just want to be clever and... It doesn't work. Hence Mm -hmm. this podcast, actually. Um, But, I mean, we're wrapping up on what is one of the most beloved, if not the most popular season of Teen Wolf. Um, I think 3B gives it a real run for its money, but we'll talk about that when we get closer to the end when we do our season breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, should we jump right in? I feel like we got a lot to, to talk about. We have a lot to talk about. Um, I would like to note that this episode was written by Jeff Davis and Angela Harvey, the dynamic duo, and directed by our good friend Russell Mulcahy. Not enough water. Not enough water, but it was raining and there was the tub scene. So I feel like he got it in where yeah, he could. He did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like, I feel like a bunch of rain in the final battle would have just been a lot. Yeah. There was a lot going on. Yeah. There's snow in the final battle of the next season. That's true. I wonder if Russell directed that one. I guess we'll find out we'll when we get there out. in like 12 weeks. <laughs> um, yeah. We have... We're very excited. We are. Uh, but that excitement is going to be uh, reduced slightly now that you have to do the 60-second recap because you are going first. I made the barest of notes on this, so please forgive me. Why? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at you like, oh, why are you so unprepared when I, like, it, my attempt last week was an abject failure. <laughs> I had been so good about writing it down, like, as soon as the episode finished, and then today I was just... No, I had to do work things. That was why. Excuses, excuses. Anyway. All right. Are you ready? Yes. One, two, three. Okay. So the trio is in the bath and they uh, wake up in a magical parking garage and they find out where the tree is through a bunch of different flashbacks to the pilot. Um, And then they uh, wake up and they're very confused because they've been out for 16 hours. Um, Then Derek is trying to figure out what to do when Kali comes after him because that's still a thing and he decides that he is going to run away. Um, Scott and everybody else starts to plan about what they're going to do so that they can find their parents at the Nemeton. Raphael is at Allison's house um, and they have to run away by pulling a holy hand grenade. Um, The tree is falling down due to Jennifer. There is um, a fight in the apartment and Jennifer kills Kali and then possibly the twins and then runs away and then there's a fight in the distillery and everything goes to hell when there's a lunar eclipse and uh she is eventually killed by a deucalion oh also scott's a true alpha um and at the end peter comes back and is like i am i am always been the alpha good job thank you that there were lots of gaps but two seconds to spare though i mean like as far as uh, accomplishing the task of actually getting it in in uh 60 seconds like i did almost forget about the most key thing that happens in this episode but the main ingredient here is true alphaism which i can't wait to talk about okay oh i'm pumped are you ready uh no but let's let's give it a shot okay three two one go 
So the gang wakes up in the void, and there's flashbacks that tell them where the Nematon is, and then they wake up, and they find out they've been asleep for 16 hours, and then, like, Derek is alive, and Scott says they still need Deucalion's help, and Ethan comes because he's like, I need your help defeating Kali, and then Peter and Cora tell Derek he needs to leave, and uh, Raphael is at the Argents when Scott, Allison, and Isaac roll up, and then to get out of his way, like, I, Allison gases hit the feds, and then Derek and Cora dip, but then Kali rolls up, and Aiden won't let her hurt Lydia, and then Jennifer rolls in and kills Kali, and maybe also the twins. Ooh, scary. And then Derek hears Lydia scream and goes back for her. Um, they go looking for the Nematon. Styles crashes his car. It's scary. Um, Derek sh- turns back and agrees to help Jennifer defeat Deucalion. And then, like, Allison and Isaac go to g- find the Nematon to get- try to get sacrifices out. And it's collapsing because of this crazy storm. And then uh, Scott and and Deucalion roll up to the distillery and they send her a message being like, you have to come. And then she is like fighting Deucalion and unblinds him. And then uh, Scott, the true alpha and, and lets Deucalion kill her. So close. Oh, I think I, I think I did good though. You really did. There Thanks. was a lot of detail. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, I already speak so incredibly quickly that like, if I can't get it all in, it's like very rare that anybody else could. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my voice and speech teacher, my professor in college, was always like, you just speak so quickly. It's, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just interesting. <laughs> the, the, the wonderful in Amazon. I desperately loved her. Um, but everything was not good, not bad, just interesting. What a way to go through life. I Well, it really inspires how I kind of approach things now. I'm like, especially if I notice things that are sort of um, like... Uh, unnatural to me or like a little uncanny i'm like maybe it's not good it's not bad it's just interesting that's kind of how i felt when we saw the lighthouse Mm, (laughs) was it interesting i i am still like hung up on that movie so clearly it struck some chord it just didn't sound very good it's not good it's not bad it's It's just just interesting. interesting yeah Oh, gosh. And that was the bomb. She's also from Saskatchewan, so she, like, loves everything Canadian. And we were talking about Deadpool in the lobby of the theater building once, and she goes, I love Deadpool. He's from Saskatchewan, like me. (laughs) And and you know when he runs runs someone over with a Zamboni? It's just so Canadian. I really feel like if you are Canadian, you have to grab onto the representation that you have. Well, the the bonkers thing is there is a Captain Canada and also Logan is Canadian. <laughs> so like of the Marvel oeuvre, there's many a Canadian in there. It's just great that she loves Deadpool. Yeah. A plot. We, I love Deadpool. Oh, yeah, me too. Who doesn't? Um, anyway... So on track with this episode, we're going to be talking about it through the theme of equilibrium, which is kind of sort of a talked about thing throughout this entire series where like Morel is like, I'm, you know, maintaining balance, but she does like a real shit job of it. Yeah. It's kind of the overarching theme of the series, I would say. Yeah. And especially applicable to this mm-hmm. final episode. Yeah. Uh, but now it kind of things like seems, um, at least until 3B, that we actually have really reached a sort of equilibrium. Yeah. Tenuous at best though, because at the end of this episode, Scott has a little bit of narration about how difficult it is for him every day living with looking into the heart of an immense darkness. This was Teen Wolf really trying to get at mental illness (laughs) in a way that I'm sure high school me was like, that's how I feel. (laughs) It's really deep. Uh, There were some interesting choices 
not good, not bad. Just, just interesting, interesting in this particular episode. Um, yeah. Um, so where do we want to start in our discussion of equilibrium? There I, are greater and lesser equilibriums reached here. Um, I feel like the conversation is a circle. I feel like everybody is kind of involved. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I feel like Allison and Isaac are like there. They're, they're doing <laughs> their best. Isaac's actually pretty heroic. He just isn't part of the major. He's not part of, you know, he's, he's the B-plot. He's, he's a side quest. Restoring the balance of the parents not being crushed by a tree. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the cement ceiling for some reason. I don't, mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, shall we talk about Jennifer? Yeah. Let's get her out of the way because I <laughs> truly hate her. Care to, exp- care to share. I just find her so unappealing as a villain and very, very unsympathetic. Her, yeah. uh, the fact that her whole sort of ish about her attempted murder is not the murder. It's about how ugly it made her. I'm like, oh my God. It is Grow up. so close to something like really deep and interesting. And I actually think that she is the weakest part of the season and the weakest part of this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, because her whole thing is that she wants to restore equilibrium. And the implication is that Deucalion has thrown things off balance. Yeah. Um, and by killing him, she will restore said balance. Well, I, it's funny because it's like, she, if we're looking at her like in a sort of generous way, I think she looks at Deucalion and is like to have that much power. Mm. is to create an imbalance. But then her solution is create trying to produce as much power uh, as Deucalion to defeat him. And then she has all the power. Like, what's her end game? What does she do after that? I wish that had been explained. I wish that there had been a little, like, I don't know, Mr. Bond, I'm going to explain to you my whole plan. Yeah. Moment, but no. She did a lot of explaining her plan, just none of ex- none of the explaining of what that plan is a solution to. Yeah. It's just, I'm mad because I'm ugly. I'm ugly. <laughs> yeah, me too. Get over it, okay? <laughs> Life's hard. <laughs> Sorry. I think the one place that she kind of does a- achieve equilibrium in this episode, if that's at all possible, is by killing Kali. Yeah, um, and during that fight, I was like, mm, Kali's such a better villain. <laughs> she really is. She's just... Like, at that point, I really do sort of sympathize with Kali, because even though she uh, needs to put her feet away and <laughs> has gotten to where she is for very selfish reasons, she is now completely exposed as somebody who is a victim of like mass manipulation. Yeah, and also her motivations for joining Deucalion's pack had much more to do with Ennis, which we learned a couple of episodes ago, than with gaining power, Mm -hmm. um, which makes her much more human. And we see that she has very human emotions and she feels remorse over what she did to Jennifer. Um, Yeah. so I mean, in this episode, she's like, I should have killed you, but it's less about (laughs) sort of like... Well, she knows she's about to die, so of yeah. course she would say that. Well, it's also just kind of like, if I had I killed you, we like no, these you know twelve people wouldn't be dead, and we wouldn't be having this fight and like whatever. Yeah, um, the immense guilt 
that Kali must feel because she's clearly not an unfeeling person. Yeah. And again, like I mentioned last episode, the alphas are like very utilitarian in their killing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Deucalion brings it up again. He's like, really? We're, would kill, is killing nine people bring, like, bringing you justice? And it's like, no. Jennifer's it, just crazy. Honestly, honestly, crazy. And I think that's the huge failure, fail, failure, failure of her villain arc. Yeah, of the writing. Yeah, because if you, the whole reason that Peter is interesting is because you're like, hmm, I'm interested in what he's doing. I maybe, maybe want to see him succeed a little bit. Never, ever. Do I feel that way about Jennifer? Yeah, yeah. Well, at least even with sort of like Peter and even like Gerard to some extent, you know that what the and you know what they're what what they're going to do if their plan succeeds. Mm-hmm. Not having any clue what she's gonna do if her plan succeeds, other than just sort of kill Deucalion, which like that could have happened anyway. I guess yeah. is like okay. I mean, so and, maybe... and then what? <laughs> you know, at the end of Finding Nemo, when all of the other fish like roll out onto the street and they like finally make it to the ocean, but they're in their plastic baggies <laughs> and they're like, "What do we do now?" Yeah. That's how I feel about Jennifer. <laughs> An excellent analogy. Thank you. I was like, I was as I said it. I was like, have we brought up a Pixar movie before on this? Finding Nemo is a good place to start. There it is. I love Finding Nemo. Um, I have seen it umpteen times. Uh... <sighs> I kind of wonder, though, if because Jennifer doesn't really have a clear objective, if she could ever reach equilibrium, and this is the natural conclusion of her story. Well, I think, you know, I think that's right. Yeah. I But I also am like, hmm. I think it would feel a better conclusion if I had known. Like, I don't feel anything either way about her dying. I mean, actually, the thing that made me happy is that even though Deucalion doesn't actually, like, dish out the kill shot, him knowing he did mm-hmm. is probably the thing that makes it so Deucalion can kind of go into the side of the light. Yeah. Because his greatest threat has been eliminated essentially. Yeah. Um, and also like, it not only is it his greatest threat, it's like a, a threat that is greater than him. Yeah. And it's like, that is actually an act of like in defense of Scott and Derek as well to do that. Yeah. Cause they're not going to kill her. It's not purely vicious. No. Um. Yeah. Should and we talk- I, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. I guess I just wondered if there's a sense of satisfaction when Deucalion does that. And I'm just wondering, like, if you felt a sense of satisfaction when Jennifer killed Kali. No, because I like Kali. I would be way more interested if Jennifer had somehow died in the last episode. And this final fight, like, was a duel between, like... Scott and Deucalion and Derek and Cully. That would have been an interesting way to take it. Yeah. The things that could have been. But anyway. Yeah, but I, I, so I feel like I would have felt it would have been much more. Like, I guess the one thing that ends up being satisfying in that scene is that the twins aren't dead. Which is questionable. How are they not dead? I do not know. She literally snaps their neck, but maybe it's because they have double. I, double spine? Maybe she only snapped one. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe she only snapped one and because they're like fused or whatever, the healing powers went there or something. I want the show Bible. I, I want it. So I, I, I would like to see it. Um, now that we're kind of to, but now that that kind of leads us a little bit to, to Deucalion, 
um, who actually has achieved equilibrium, you know? Yeah. He's no longer the leader of an alpha pack. You know, he's no longer like this demon wolf or whatever. Um, but he also regains his sight, you know, his sight being one of the biggest things that forces him, you know, into the madness that is creating an alpha pack. Yeah. And so on one end, like Jennifer restores equilibrium there, I guess. Um, Derek was so smart in this episode. He really was. I literally, my notes have Derek, have Derek did one, one good thing. I, mm, and really he needed a win. Yeah. The thing about, um, Ducan- where Ducalion ends up, it is, I think kind of the epitome of not getting what you want, but rather getting what you need. Yeah. Because the next time we see him, which is many seasons from now, he's like a, Buddhist monk or something like he's very Zen and he doesn't do that kind of thing anymore. Yeah. Um, so he is like on the way to healing whatever broke inside of him when Gerard stabbed the flaming arrows into his eyes. Yeah. Um, which is poetic Mm -hmm. to get your sight restored. Very biblical. Um, and like paves the way for him to become a better man. Yeah, it, like, it really, really kind of pisses me off that he ends up with an unfortunate demise in the later seasons. Because I'm yes. like, what, how, why would you ruin what ends up being one of the best redemption arcs in the show? And not even in a way where it's like certain people have to die in order to complete their redemption arc. I didn't feel that was necessary at all. Yeah. For him. Yeah. It, like... I just feel like the equilibrium achieved in him and his, like the restoration of his sight and him killing Jennifer is then later like thrown off the side of the boat by season six. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is unfortunate, but no, like Deucalion, I think in this, you know, he now knows that like the twins are not really going to be faithful to him anymore. Kali is dead. He is like on his own. Um, and so we now have seen Deucalion in sort of all of the extremes of power. And this is the one that ends up suiting him. Yeah. And Derek and Scott, I think, show him a great mercy in letting him go. They would never not let they him go. They would never not. I don't think they would never not let him go. But I I think if Peter had been there. <laughs> it might have been a conversation. Yeah. Um. I mean, I was kind of surprised that there wasn't, like, a little bit more to it. But at that point, like, what are you going to say? Yeah. Um, I think, frankly, they just wanted him to leave. Mm-hmm. Get the hell out yeah. of Beacon Hills. <laughs> we don't want you anymore. <laughs> you are no longer of help to us. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Derek. I think Derek also reaches equilibrium in becoming a beta again. Just for a little while. Yeah, well, because his tenure as an alpha was bad, was bad. It brought so many people pain and suffering. It blinded him to the needs of other people. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder, like, if he had not given that up for Cora, like, would he still have showed up for Scott in the same way? 
I don't know. I don't, I truly don't know. And it's funny because his sort of great loss is what makes him such a hero in this episode that he's able to sort of use what Jennifer used against him and manipulate her into healing Deucalion and giving up like a big chunk of her power. Um, although if she absorbed all of the power of all of those healers and all of those sacrifices, it's pretty crazy that just fixing some eyes is what knocks her out. Frankly, I am surprised he still had eyes at all. Like the so, structures? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that it wasn't just like empty sockets. That would have been with. fucking rad. Teen Wolf, <laughs> you had an opportunity. A missed opportunity. Uh, I know a couple horses who only have like one eye because of various injuries and medical issues. And it is crazy because like they'll still um, like be expressive with the socket, like the muscles mm. in the socket, but it is just like a hollowed out part of their face yeah i saw a picture of a sphinx cat recently that was blind like did not have eyes Mm -hmm. uh, at all and so it just looks like this skeletal cat but it is alive Mm -hmm. i watched uh an eyeball get removed once from a horse i have had to dissect an eyeball i think it would have really wigged me out if i had to see it taken out uh, it was fascinating. I feel like there's a lot of really gross shit that I've seen and or participated in in like barn <laughs> life. And people are like, that's horrifying. And I'm like, it all felt medical. Like, it's just all procedural to me. That's fair. That's how, that's how people become vets. True. That's how they. Yeah. That's why every, like, oh, there's a bunch of horse camp girls I know who became vets because they're like, well, that's what I'm good at. Interesting. Uh-huh. Um... But that would have been cool if he just had the sockets and, like, was still expressive in that way. I, well, one, I feel like. Too much. Too much, but also we have seen the CGI budget and the special effects budget. It's pretty bad. (laughs) Like, Jennifer's face when she's not Jennifer. As the Duroc. Yeah. um, is is horrendous. I also, again, where did her hair go? (laughs) Also, her head just seems so much larger. Yeah, and it's, it's not. It's not just because she doesn't have hair. No, it's because like it's because that. Well, yeah, it's also just because all of that prosthesis is sitting on a bald cap, and she has long hair. Yeah, um, yeah, it just looks ridiculous. Um, <laughs> just you know, just finding different ways to dunk on Teen Wolf every day. But yeah, I just I think that Derek, um, Derek experienced uh, an extreme rise of power. He is now experiencing an extreme decrease in it. And as it bounces back up in the next season, when Derek goes through all of that crazy stuff, we're going to see him really evening out. And this is the first step to that. Yeah. To, to have to sacrifice in order to get to where you need to be. Uh-huh. is probably a lesson Derek desperately needed to learn. Oh my God. I'm so <laughs> tired of his shit brigade being done. No, like it, it it's just, ugh. it is. I'm so happy it's over. <laughs> I am really happy it's over. I wish that there had been a little more time and attention paid to what he was going through. Oh uh, no, they were busy season. trying to make this really gross romance happen. It was disgusting. Um, and he clearly was like going through a lot. Mm hmm. And I want to feel for him. This was really the first episode where I was like, you're doing the right thing, buddy. <laughs> there was also a moment like when, uh, during like the final battle where they're filming Jennifer from the below. And I was like, Oh my God, she looks exactly like Paige. Oh, she looks yeah. exactly like her. And I mean, I think that's it, intentional. Lots of callbacks in this particular episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it takes place in the distillery and the Nemeton and 
blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah. Teen Wolf is just full of herbiderditer. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think, I think sort of becoming and experiencing the extreme downfall of power is actually like what makes it so that Derek can leave Bacon Hills. Mm hmm. I think that if he still wasn't alpha, he'd be like, I have a responsibility. No, you don't. No, because you you have not fulfilled one of your responsibilities ever, Derek. (laughs) Like, it's what allows him to leave. And also then what allows Scott to, you know, fulfill the roles of, fulfill the role of alpha in the next season. Yeah. What I really appreciate about his, like, walking off into perhaps not the sunset, but the rising moon, um, is that he's not going alone it's not like he's saddling up his motorcycle for a long cross-country trip like he's going with his sister and they're just getting out of town happens to cora they never explain she becomes a spanish princess on rain she do good Um, for you adelaide kane yeah um no my thing is like you know how like everybody comes back in like the last three episodes of season six Mm -hmm. would have loved to see isaac would have loved to see cora why Right? Just the one day. Yeah. Just the, for the one episode. Yeah. I, I think especially because we never get a satisfying conclusion to either of those stories. And not that Cora really has much of one, but yeah. Isaac in particular, we never... Daniel Sherman was just honestly probably just busy. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. The, yeah. you know, the Borgias. But they didn't even mention him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not even like, hey, what's Isaac been up to in... France, yeah, a country where he does not speak the he's language. Bu- he's, he's busy being a part of. He's actually in Italy, being a Medici. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I do want to touch on Peter really quickly while we're in the Derek sphere. Mm. Turns out Peter never like Peter is just he's always one step ahead. Like we know, we know that Peter in part wanted Derek to defeat the evil and save Cora. But the very, very sexy, like add addition to that is that if Derek is no longer alpha to the hail pack, Peter gets to be the alpha. It is so brilliant. Like the, because Peter has been positioning himself throughout the whole season as like caring uncle reformed crazy, uh, to someone who actually like cares about Derek, which I do think he kind of does. Mm hmm. But when he immediately jumps to be like, you should run away from here, like a hundred miles away from here. Everybody else is not immediately suspicious of what he's saying because he plays the long game. Yeah. He is trying so hard to get them to believe that he doesn't care anymore and only is like about the family. Yeah. Which is nuts Mm -hmm. that people believe him. He's brilliant so smart he just he wiggles his way into everything that's what i wish jennifer had been they already had the sort of you know skeleton for that plot line for her and it, they just couldn't do it they couldn't replicate it they had to make it fucking sexist so she'd be like i hate that i'm ugly because i'm a woman shut up teen wolf it is if they had avoided that particular thing Everything else I would have cared about if it hadn't just been look at what she did to my face, but rather look at what she took away from me. Mm-hmm. Look at what they continue to do as an alpha pack. Like it's not I'm killing innocents, but look at what they've done. It's ridiculous that they never let Jennifer appeal to our sense of logic. No, it's always about like doing the right thing. Air quotes very much implied. Yeah. And 
we all know that she's not doing the right thing. No, she's just playing Pity Me Elmo. <laughs> I just, ugh. Um, it's nice to see Derek not fall for it. Again. Like the big fat dummy he is. He is so. Because he actually did fall for it again. Because she just ended up being Kate too. And Kate is more interesting. I, I think that's another um, issue that they had where they were like, a girl villain must be same. Yeah. But Kate no. did it better. I just think perhaps she was just better at being evil. I don't know. Well, because they set her up to be like such a sweet and caring woman. Who, Jennifer? Yeah. Yeah. Kate always has like a, Kate is always winking yeah. at people and you know that she's not being serious. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, anyway, it, it's actually very satisfying to let Deucalion think that he killed Jennifer and then let Peter finish the job. Cause you're like, Oh, the true <laughs> villain is back. The real one. Yeah. And we get a victory for Deucalion who we love and a victory for Peter who we love, even though they're both evil. They are both. Well, they're, interesting they're not good they're not bad they're actually bad both of them are bad (laughs) they're very bad but they're also interesting (laughs) yeah i i love peter i also love that he is not the focus of the next season because they could have set it up that way he kind of is not in a not in the same way that he, he was previously he's not like the major villain but he is also the inciting event of the next season Oh, sorry. I keep thinking of season four. Yeah, I was like, am I forgetting? No, I just totally, I was like, what? He's the one who did the Deadpool in in Mexico. You're right. No, he's not a very big part of 3B at all. No, because they like let that, they give that plot time to breathe. Yeah, they let it simmer, which so when it comes back in season four, we're like, ah, yes, I'm ready for Uncle Peter again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can move on to... Let's 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 touch on like Allison Isaac Styles. They're kind of a smaller one before we dig into the true alpha of it all. Their whole thing is that they are just trying to save the parents. Yeah. Um I mean, and Isaac I, I mean Isaac's part of the pack, so of course he's going along with it, but you know he loves Mama McCall. Oh yeah. So listed as his foster mom on the Teen Wolf wiki. Man, shout out to whoever did that on the Teen Wolf wiki. It really gave me a lot of emotion i know um it's like family scott foster brother you're like oh god i can't deal um yeah well i think that person like styles does have his hero moment at the end and like yes we save the sheriff but like styles is styles is like sort of experience of like like trying to re-achieve equilibrium comes in the next season yes um but what who is most interesting to me is the argents Yes, because at the end, we get our new code, which I can't say in French, but it is, we protect those who cannot protect themselves. And they've basically decided to go back to being involved in that world again, Mm -hmm. which is in and of itself an equilibrium because it's what kind of they were always meant to do, but in a way that doesn't hurt people well yeah i think they again sort of had a a serious rise and fall thing not unlike Derek, where like their actions when they were involved were catastrophic their actions not being involved catastrophic like catastrophic and now they have to re-enter the world in a different way so that they can you know Mm -hmm. 
begin to like basically make reparations for the fact that their family committed atrocities for centuries. Yeah. And I mean, they don't lay this out explicitly, but I have complained in previous uh, episodes about the fact that like Chris wasn't sharing his information with them, even though he clearly knew way more than what was going on. And I think there's an acknowledgement from the two of them that things would have been much easier and they would have figured things out way faster if they had all been working together. Mm -hmm. And so that is them trying to figure out how to do that in peace or in harmony with the McCall. Well, what's so interesting to me is that, uh, particularly particularly for Chris, his sort of response to, if I will not, if I am to not, you know, participate in the evil anymore, I must do nothing. And it's really sort of wonderful to me that Allison is like, that's not what we're built for. Yeah. Well, it goes exactly to what Derek says at the, towards the end of this episode is that you're a predator, but it doesn't make you a killer. Mm -hmm. Which is like, they keep saying that about the werewolves, but I wish that that could be a moment that the Argents also have. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, cause I, I think it can speak to like, not necessarily like the nature of your being, but sort of like the generational nature of being part of the Argent family would make you a predator. And like, it is the choice to no longer like operate in that realm. Um, but yeah, I like, I love the new code and I, I just, I love that. Like we get to see Allison and Isaac just like talking in the hallway at the end. That scene is very emo. It's very emo. It really made me tear up a little bit. Um, so we've got that fun song playing because it is, it is truly like the last moment of levity that any of them get. Oh, you think comparing it to the final scene in the next season, which is unbelievable. uh, I can't, I cannot think about it. (laughs) No. Um, it, it's, it is, it's, it's, we need that before we go into the next season. We really need it. And even the way they're all dressed, they're all in like colors. That um, is the brightest it is in the entire episode. Yeah. Uh, this was a squinting episode. I almost got close <laughs> to the TV. Like it was, it was a little hard to watch. But the, in that scene, there's like legit sunshine mm-hmm. and. And they're just, they're at school. They're just being high school students. Like equilibrium is actually them getting to live their lives. And it's so sweet. Yeah. And like to have it come on the heels of Scott saying, when I deal with this immense darkness, what I do is I look for my friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. It's like, Ugh. you underestimated the power of love and friendship. That's the whole, that's the whole point of the episode. Basically. Yeah. Um, it makes me a little of a cleanse. It makes me it just, it just, it, it just gets, gets me a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I think we can, we can break into talking about Scott now. Uh, we did save the best for last because he's just so good at being uh, a werewolf. He is so true. He's at the, you know, top of his game. He's an alpha. He would, we could say he's a true alpha. I remember when I was first watching the show. And you were like, that's lame. I remember you texting <laughs> me being like, that's lame. It is lame. It's very after school oh, it's special. Dumb. But it, it's dumb in the way that I personally like. <laughs> yes. Well, especially because like at, when it is first introduced, like that whole concept to us, it's kind of like, oh, well, 
okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Whatever. But to see it actually come to fruition and, like, have it be a moment where he's breaking through um, the mountain ash to save his parents, because that's what's at stake when she's in there. Yep, yep. Um, and you see his eyes, like, ripple into red. And it's only after that that he's like, if you don't leave, I will kill you. Yeah. Or if well, you don't stop it's it, like I, he has to, he basically like Scott knows that the only way to defeat her is to be an alpha and therefore he can't kill anybody until he is an alpha and not that he'd kill anybody anyway. But like after he has that, the upper hand, when he achieves true alpha status, mm-hmm. um, when he sets his alpha status on Facebook to true, he <laughs> is allowed to be like. Well, I, it, it doesn't go away if I kill somebody now. So yeah, get the hell out of Dodge. Get it together. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was really rooting for Scott in this episode. Not that I'm ever not rooting for Scott or rooting against him, but I think it was so depressing to see him in the last couple of episodes, just be like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And in this moment, uh, he, figures out how to win, except that the the major thing that he does actually causes a huge problem. Yeah. Blinding Deucalion based on a thing that Gerard told him. Yeah. Which is nuts. But he doesn't blind him really. No, but he, he like distracts him long enough to get him out of his demon wolf. Yeah. Phase. We're really seeing Scott regaining power. Mm hmm. Literally. And figuratively. Um, yeah, I, what I just think is that once they came out of the tubs for the first time in a couple episodes, Scott finally had a plan again. And considering that absolutely none of them had a plan, that was very important. And it also, like, I do want to say that having that plan did take full participation of the team. Deaton had to start doing his job, you know? Morel actually had to do her job of keeping balance in the last episode. We mm-hmm. needed everything from everyone. Derek yeah, and Peter had to participate. Like, it's all about the pack. Yeah, it is. Um, you know what I kind of love about true alphaism? Hmm. It's so easy for especially uh, things of this oeuvre to just have a chosen one. Mm-hmm. So much better that like Scott is a true alpha by his own volition. He earns it. He earns it. He has. He has to maintain a sense of like morality and order and dignity to actually become a true alpha because there we know that that the status of that could be up in the air um like if he were to kill somebody or do something atrocious or whatever um and it's not just sort of like he was born cursed no he had that that shit's bogus (laughs) i don't care if somebody was born cursed Scott has had multiple opportunities over the past two seasons to make a choice that would preclude him from being a true alpha. Yeah. And to, and to participate in someone that in something that would prevent that from happening and every time. It's very Captain Kirk, I don't believe in no in scenarios. Yeah. Um I just got to say <laughs> season 3 Scott would listen to season 5 styles when they have their falling out. Why did season five Scott not do that? Unfortunately, 
I do think sometimes the writers are like, what if this happened? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Because that's the whole thing about, um, them being in the tubs for 16 hours. What if that happened? That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Well, I think it, I think it'd be interesting. I think the idea of them being underwater for like a really long time is interesting, but the six hours only, all it did was shorten the, the time frame of the episode. The episode could have actually played out as normal, even if they had only been in there for 10 hours. Yeah. Three, you know, it's just shock to be like, Oh, 16 hours underwater. I really feel like sometimes they just have a dart and it's like, however many hours I would love, I would love to see the teen wolf wheel of fortune that they spin before every episode to like whatever random detail they're going to include. Yeah. Um, the ghost cowboys, the ghost cowboys, thank God the ghost cowboys were on the list. Um, but yeah, I mean like Scott, it's funny that like Scott's actual like coming into the sort of equilibrium is that he was always rising to it. It's not that he like Derek had power and then had to give it up or had power. didn't have power is now where he's supposed to be. It's that Scott has been like the scales were always tipped against Scott's favor. And mm-hmm. since the very first episode, he's been slowly climbing up to where he needs to be. I think a huge part of that is Scott's humility. He knows when he needs to ask for help and he knows when he is not the one who holds all the cards. He willingly goes with Deucalion at the end of the hospital episode because he thinks that that is the only way to win. And I think, you know, when we talk about Derek, I think a lot of his issue is that he has so much pride and he can't accept help and he can't accept criticism. Um, or just like opinions. Yeah. Um, whereas Scott is always willing to do that mm-hmm. while following his own moral code. I think that's very interesting. Well, I think the big difference is like Derek can't let anybody in his life see him as weak, which is why he never opens up to people who are part of his sort of immediate circle. And it's what makes Jennifer so appealing to him is it's, it's somebody who likes him or sympathizes with him and can't see him for what he is, which is what Mm. Derek is most afraid of is that people seeing him as like a weak, fragile little monster, which in this season and the season previous, maybe that's all he was. Yeah. Derek has more nuance than that, but you know what I'm saying? Does he have more nuance than that? Or do we desperately want him to have more nuance? Or am I just, I'm I'm just like begging for crumbs, (laughs) please. Just a little, just a little piece of character (laughs) development. Just a little. Un un petit. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so, it is immensely satisfying that it happens in the third season. Yeah. He's had time to build up to it. We know vaguely of the idea, but then when it actually happens, you're like, Oh my, God. Yeah. They were serious about that. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, Derek and Scott sort of cross and at this point in the episode. Like, they, like, exchange places in, mm-hmm. in, in their lives, and that is actually, I think, the biggest sort of sense of equilibrium that they get in this, uh, in this season. They're in their rightful places in the pack. I would say so. And I also think that it is helpful to have had the um, pilot flashbacks at the beginning. Yeah. To emphasize. Did they always know that Allison was in that car? <laughs> no. N- 
I guess not. Which is very interesting because... No, did the writers always, like, no? Oh. I bet they were like, damn, how do we get Allison in there? <gasps> the car! <laughs> I'd love to go back and, like, see what kind of car it is and if it matches up with one of her parents' cars. Because that seems intentional. Yeah. Okay, maybe. Um... I'm not going to do that much digging. If no. anybody else listening you know. wants to do that, you go right ahead. Yeah. But it, it's very cool to see like the evolution of when they were, but we babes mm-hmm. very new to this whole thing. And now they have saved the world. Yeah. Seeing the- Scott's old haircut was really cute. <laughs> they're so, they're so adorable. I really loved the way that that was framed in. Oh, this, mm-hmm. this episode is very beautiful. I also like, We've been, you know, kind of poo-pooing on things that have happened, like, throughout this season. This episode is very good. It is so well-paced. I was, like, engaged the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, sometimes when you think about it, like, on a rewatch, like, think about the things you rewatch. It's mostly looking at your phone while, you know, whatever plays in the background. Sure. It's really impressive to me when I can go back and watch these episodes and I don't feel the need to, like, check the time. Yeah, and I, I genuinely feel like there are things that you miss the first go-around. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to well because <laughs> it's, it's dark or because you yeah, just although here's the attention. thing I'm I'm now on on watch three in mm-hmm. my lifetime uh, and I still have no idea what's going on <laughs> so hmm. unclear should we quickly do uh, cues and O's and fact stats before we go into our final evaluation of the season let's do it do you have any questions. No, I don't. I actually don't have a single one. Oh, I do. I lied. I have mm. a question. Um, so Derek like kind of teams up with Jennifer. Yeah. Scott c- kind of teams up with Deucalion to get them all in the right place. Mm-hmm. Uh, does, did Derek and Scott have a, did they like, you know, talk about it, about what was going to happen, what was going to go down, or did they just show up, see each other, and they were like, well. I, I feel like they had to have just. They kind of make a show about like being like, why are you with her or whatever, right? Well, I don't think that Scott was there when they went to go tell Derek to leave. Like, I think he was off doing whatever else he was doing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know when they would have had time to do that. That's not saying that they, text, they wouldn't. Everybody's texting throughout this episode. Possibly. Um, I think there's also kind of an implication that they have, like, a stronger bond than we've ever seen or that like has ever been on display rather mm-hmm. because they are like brother against brother as <laughs> very American. American. Um, was that a civil war joke? Of course it was. Uh, he's not wrong. Lots of countries have had civil wars. <laughs> I mean, I think there's an understanding from Scott that Derek has like learned his lesson. And so if he's with Jennifer, there must be a reason. Yeah. And I think Scott is willing to trust Derek for whatever reason. God knows. I don't know. It's kind of funny where I like, okay, let's say, let's say uh, you are, we, you'd never seen Teen Wolf. Uh huh. And you are given the stats on each of these characters. Like you're given the basic rundown of Jennifer's story and the basic rundown of Deucalion's story. Whose side would you pick to, like, help them defeat the other? Like, if you had to be like, I am responsible for making the lesser of these two evils. Well, as you pointed out earlier, we have no idea what her objective is. Deucalion's objective is pretty fucking clear. He just wants to kill Jennifer. Um, I think I would have a really hard time choosing. But I think ultimately, because on paper, her cause is 
like the morally correct one. Yeah. I'd pick Jennifer, but it, there's more nuance to it. All right. Than that. What, what, who would you? I mean, like me watching this show is having a hard time being like approaching this objectively. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, well, Deucalion, he's so handsome, but there, you don't get a headshot. <laughs> you don't get a headshot with the he list of what they do. Is so handsome. You don't get that. You don't get the headshot with a resume. If we're trying to pick who, you know, um, yeah, that was only my question if Scott and Derek like had sort of had had cahoots before they showed up to the uh the warehouse. Do you have any questions? I don't really. I mean, this is a season it, finale, yeah, so it's really like if we had question if we had a, a bunch of questions, that would be uh not I, the move. For, I mean, there's like the logistical question of how in the fuck have they been underwater for 16 hours and they're still living. Um uh, also, logistical question of how long have the parents now been in the nematont tied to a post? They'd be like, like, Gross. if it's longer than three days, they'd be dying of dehydration. I have no idea how time works in Teen Wolf. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, uh, that's, a, you know, the, so, na- the natural sentiment of this podcast. Well, like when they, and then to have something very specific, like 16 hours, I'm like, why do you have to draw attention to the fact that I have no idea what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. hey. Uh, do you have any O's? Um, very important O. This, I think, was the moment where if you did not understand people's obsession with slash attraction to styles, this was the episode because of the wet t-shirt. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like when he comes and saves him with the bat. I was like, so heroic. No, you're no, you're Very just thirsty heroic. on Maine. Um, uh, no, that it's so thank you for not putting them in white shirts. That would have just been so egregious. Gratuitous. Um but that scene is so, so beautiful. Um, it's very cool. I don't understand the point of putting them in a parking it, garage, but I like it's the It's not aesthetic. a parking garage. It's like very clearly in a, like a, a, a large building basement. Like a, it looks like the basement of a community center. Fair enough. I just don't understand. I would have loved to hear like the discussion of how they wanted to design that because they're clearly like in limbo. Well, I would have just, pre- I think it should, just should have been all green screened into a white void. Or something. But, you know, that was one of the things that I liked about, I can't believe I'm bringing up Harry Potter, but, like, the fact that when Harry dies, he goes to a train station. Mm-hmm. I kind that's, of wish... That's two for two in the last couple episodes of Harry Potter ding, references. Ding. Oof. Um, but I, I guess I kind of wish that there had been more specificity if they were going to put it in a real place. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just like, I don't understand... Well, the fluorescent it's, lighting. Well, it's like they actually do manage to do that in the next season when the sort of like uh, when their battle is happening, like half in a school courtyard, half in like ancient Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they 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 figured it out eventually. They did. Um, I have another observation. Two, two other observations. One, um, when they send the video to Jennifer, that phone footage is crisp. For for an android of that time, I do not think so. Um, it is insane how clear it is. It's obviously like green screened onto the phone, and it was just like they shot it somewhere with like a handheld. And I just thought it was really funny. Well, I just thought it was funny that they sent a video. Yeah. I think you should just should have sent a text, being like, like you know pic. where we are or something. Yeah. yeah. 
It would have been more or effective. A voice memo. Yeah, the video would not work. <laughs> um, She's been leaving them voice memos of like Duroc music the whole time. Oh. Yeah, that shit. <laughs> um, there's also a really sweet moment when and Jennifer's like, who's going to save your parents? And Scott's like, my pack. And it's like, meow, Huey Lewis. And the yeah. that's the power of love. Yeah. Like, it's a very sweet, like, you forgot about friendship. Yeah, moment. truly. Um, Teen yeah, Wolf friendship is magic. Those are my observations. Uh, my only observation is that Deucalion as the demon wolf looks like he's wearing a costume from the movie Halloween Town, which one of my favorite films, uh, but not appropriate <laughs> a little. for this uh, vehicle. He so. looks like he looks like a mannequin you'd find in a Halloween store that you'd like accidentally bump into, and it like makes crazy weird ghost noises. Yeah. It's like, and you're like, oh god! Every time that happens to me, when I'm like in Target, people start looking at me. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't do it. Yeah, it wasn't me. Uh huh. Yeah, it's like now at the point in the, like the Halloween season where the decorations have been up for like a month, so all of those dummies are like running out of battery. So it's like a hit or miss on whether or not they'll actually make noise. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was my only observation. I, I, other than like just loving the last scene because it's pretty. It's beautiful. Um. Do you have pack stats for us? I do have pack stats. We got up to eight eyes this time. Important in this episode. Very. Um, I also did count Scott's eyes twice because they are two different colors. That's uh, that's fair. Oh, by the way, I do actually want to say I appreciate that Scott didn't c- open close his eyes for them to be oh, red. Yeah. We saw them change with the sort of burning effect. Yeah. I thought that was very cool. Um, no claws. I mean, they were fighting with their claws, but... We didn't get that um, a la Wolverine. The like, sort of lady death strike deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, only one shirt off. Although te- I, I assume technically it's two because the twins like have to take their shirt off. But I always forget that that's why they have to take their shirt off. And so when Ethan just like rips off his shirt in the middle of the battle, I'm like, what is happening? But again, we talked about it. What happens to the pants? <laughs> I They're magic pants. I don't know. Um, and we had one siren so far, so we'll re-update that at the end if that changes. However, I this is an observation, but it is important to pack stats because there were several ads in this particular episode after several episodes with no ads. And I guess I understand marketing-wise why you would do that because more people are more likely to tune in to the finale of a show than... Well, the ad revenue is this... Like, the ad revenue... Like, the money coming in for the companies placing their ads is going to be the same regardless of what episode you put it in, and companies will probably pay a lot more for you to put it in the final episode, and then the revenue doesn't really change depending on what episode you you put it in, so it's advantageous to everybody to just throw in the finale. Yeah, I just think that it is a little jarring. To, to see Isaac pulling out Altoids or Icebreakers ice, or whatever? Yeah, um, and I understand that it's like an ad, and it's also a cute little cocky moment where he's like, my parents are dead. Oh, this starts actually the, the downfall of me liking Isaac when he's like weirdly comfortable with his trauma. Yeah, um, get that boy to a therapist. Um, and there was also, with the extra crisp phone footage, it was um, an AT&T ad and an LG ad because the phone was an LG. Do those even exist anymore? LG phones? I'm sure they do. Okay. Um, yeah, a very, you know, capitalism never <laughs> sleeps. It was just so, it's like, 
I, I always think that the Reese's ads are the most egregious. And no, the icebreakers one. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. Yeah. But we're out of the Macy's tunnel. That's true. No more swinging around Macy's bags with one garment in them each. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do we want to do an alpha of the week? And then once we wrap up the discussion, we'll do an alpha of the season. Yeah. Um, it has to be Scott, right? I mean, um, well, I feel like the alpha of the season is Scott. Scott. Fine. Then I'm going to give mine to Isaac. He does a really good job of holding up the nematon (laughs) while everybody is uh, not helping. Yeah. Literally Um, nobody helps him. He's holding that up by himself. There's a point where they are helping him, and they're like, it's too heavy. I'm like, I, mm, probably it is. Mm. Uh, but Isaac's already doing most of the work. You can at least, you know, throw a shoulder up there. a little bit. Yeah, I'll give it to Isaac. I, I would agree with you. He, he was just heroic in this episode. And he doesn't get enough love. No. Not, not. Not he, from us. Not we from clearly, us. <laughs> we're clearly Isaac stands. Yeah. Um, team, team Isaac. Team Isaac forever. Um... Okay, so now we can walk into our season wrap-up. So we're going to talk about what works in this season, what does not, uh, what we're going to miss, and what we're looking forward to in season 3B. Very excited. Uh, So what are the things that you think primarily work about this season? Hmm. The budget. (laughs) The budget. So much higher than season 1 and 2. It's the best Teen Wolf has ever looked. The little gloss that gets put over the whole... The whole thing is great. Um, I love. I love that the parents are fully in on the not the joke, but they're in on all of the stuff. Yes, uh, it takes a while, uh-huh. but I love that moment of realization, and I love all of the collaboration that it then leads to. I think that really works. Um, I think Ducalion is an extremely effective villain. Really. I'm a big fan of his, if you could not tell. He's so handsome. He's so Not beautiful. the only reason we like him. It's just an added benefit of him being there. He is just, he is a villain full of gravitas. Yeah. And uh, we appreciate that about him. I also kind of appreciate that um, they are really trying to push the envelope in terms of um, darker themes. And not in the sense of like, oh, I'm trying to be edgy. But it's like the consequences, the worldwide consequences well, of I, your actions. Yeah, and I think that's what's so smart about the sort of internal darkness or whatever. Um, because it shows that the consequences aren't just about like the world having to repair around you. It's also about like what you take from participating in such uh, impactful events. Mm-hmm. And for that to set up the next season as it does is very smart. Um, but it also reminds us that like these characters will always have to deal with what they feel about the things that they do, uh, which is honestly not often checked in on a lot of teen shows. Yeah. I feel like kids on like, (laughs) there's like this thing at the beginning of gossip girl where you find out that Serena like maybe killed somebody, but she didn't actually kill, kill somebody they OD'd and she freaked out and left. Um, yikes. (laughs) It's the problem is there's footage anyway, but the thing is like (laughs) Serena deals with that for like all of three episodes and then, Oh, it's gone. Mm -hmm. It's just gone. It goes away. But like, does it? No, I'm, and I love gossip girl, but 
Yeah. I mean, we have complained many a time before about the show not taking the characters' uh, traumas seriously. And we're starting to see a shift in that. A shift. I also think that, again, the show isn't for us (laughs) who are like, I want it to be devastating because I'm, you know. Yeah. Because my other, like, because now when I watch things in life, it's like, you know, edgy HBO dramas where that's what you get from it. This is still a teen show. So if they're not being like, yeah, like, like, like I'm actually way prefer it that they don't diagnose anybody. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think about being a teenager and I, I don't think I actively sat around watching TV shows being like, I hope they suffer, which is a thing I do now. Oh yeah. Now it's like, <laughs> if they don't suffer, I'm like, why am I here? Wait a minute. Hold um, on. Even the funny shit, they have to suffer a little bit. Yeah. But I, everybody has sacrificed and everybody is learning that the power that they gain comes with a consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, very important life lessons. Yeah, I think I think then what we're kind of nearing into is like one thing that really works is the maturing of these characters in this season in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, what else works? I, hmm. I think this is the most cohesive season thus far. Yeah. And I think when I think back to season one and season two, there are episodes that stand out to me, but not in quite the way that this particular season stands out. What I think about in this season, it not only is it the most cohesive, it is also takes the most risks uh, in terms of form. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we get getting the episode on the bus, which I don't remember what it's called, uh, Motel California. And then is visionary, the flashback episode. I think so having the flashback episode, having the episode on the bus and having motel California, like somehow these episodes do not follow any classic like formula of teen wolf that we've seen so far. And none of the earlier seasons were willing to sort of break those boundaries and to have this be the most cohesive season while taking the most amount of risks we've seen so far in the structure of the show is very impressive. Yeah. It feels, um, even though sometimes those things might not land in the way that they were intending, it feels um, like they're really trying to make a statement. Um, And especially when I think about a lot of teen dramas that I watch that are being made now, which, I mean, this episode premiered seven years ago. So there's been a gap of time, but I would still consider like Riverdale somewhat contemporaneous to Teen Wolf and Riverdale. Oh my God. started to fall apart like season three because they felt like they had to constantly up the ante and Teen Wolf certainly felt the same pressures, but rose to the challenge in a completely different way. Yeah. That ensured success basically. Yeah. And I think, I think that, you know, Riverdale aside, that's how a lot of teen television meets their demise. Mm -hmm. I think the first season of Sabrina is like incredibly fun. And like the second season of Sabrina, I was like, uh, this is, Okay, and then I couldn't even get to the third because it just it had gotten so far away from what you liked about it mm-hmm. because it was trying to make these like big edgy political statements. Man, I get that reading the news. <laughs> yeah, I do not need that more. But I, I I think that's what's most effective about what you were saying, where they're playing with form rather than with content. Yeah, because the content is maturing, but it is not wildly out of range for what Teen Wolf has been in the past. Mm-hmm. So by switching up um, 
what they're doing behind the camera. Yeah. I think that makes it way more interesting. I agree. Yeah. And, and the content is also maturing. Like I, like Motel California could not exist in either of the previous seasons. Um, and honestly couldn't exist in many of the later seasons. Yeah. Um, but like you, that again, that was the first episode that ever got a content warning. It's, it's, you know, deals with one of the heaviest subjects imaginable and somehow is able to, you walk away from it, not feeling, you know, raw. It's just, it, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just interesting. Um, no, it's, it's, it's really compelling. Mm-hmm. And the characters are allowed to have really emotional moments with one another where they're acknowledging that they feel a deep connection, which I always want more of. Me too. Well, I just think back in, back in the last episode, I, I was complimenting like Isaac taking on Derek and that is the best because up until now, like it there, Isaac has never connected with Derek on any level other than being like one time they have kind of an, an emo moment where Isaac's like, Oh, my dad didn't used to hit me. And then Derek punishes him with that information and it takes until this time for Isaac to like make that it is an emotional connection for him to to yell at Derek and have that moment um and in that again like goes back to like the maturing of the characters and and we're about to see some of the biggest sort of emotional breaks in the show um which I'm excited for I'm excited to talk about yeah. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about what doesn't work in this season, starting with Jennifer. I, yeah, I was going to ask if you wanted to start out on that particular thread. I just like, I, I feel like we're kind of beating this dead horse. Uh, but it is just really unfortunate to me again, as a show that markets itself as being like really progressive in some way to have a, a, a the leading female character of the season who is not Allison be so incredibly uninspiring uninspiring weirdly sexualized um having her main motivation literally come down to her disfigured face which i am i feel almost certain that that was not the intent of the writers but no but it's just she gives that speech like four times yeah and so we're we're, talking about beating a dead horse we are forced to walk away with the idea that that is what she's most upset about. Yeah, if I didn't think that Jennifer was so incredibly vain, maybe I'd be more, you know, like drawn to her cause. Yeah. Well, and also I think we have complained before about how she's Kate 2.0 and she's got kind of like the smirk when she's coming after Lydia and she's like, "Mm, there's sacrifices and you don't understand what the word sacrifice means, but I wish she had been like a little more earnest, um, as opposed to like really callous because it made me think that she doesn't actually believe in the things she's doing. She doesn't actually believe that, you know, the sacrifices are like a holy noble thing that she's doing. Yeah. It seems very flippant and it, bothers me well even if she had just been like even if the sacrifices weren't about taking on like deucalion or even if that was a benefit to them if she was like it you know if there was even like a sort of uh like spiritual cause that she had like we need to restore power to the nematon because it is important for the you know the way of the supernatural world and if we can't do this like things are going to get worse and like it not only brings good like bad it also brings good like if there had been any other cause that wasn't revenge or Mm -hmm. like being like kind of upset because you're kind of ugly like 
And also, again, like, you're right. She's weirdly sexualized throughout the season. Her place in Derek's life is just sort of unsettling. Like, I think that there's a realm in which Derek can even have, like, rela- like relationships with villainous characters where you do sort of get, like, you do, like, get satisfaction from that relationship, but you don't get it at all in this one. Yeah. Well, there, I mean, there was something really intriguing about his relationship with Kate. Yeah. And any sort of, like, flirting she did was uh, an intimidation tactic. Yeah, and disgusting, but, like, in a way that furthered our understanding of her. Yeah, whereas, like, sort of, Jennifer makes, like, goo-goo eyes at pretty much everybody in the show, and I'm like, it's not working. No. It is just not happening for you, babe. Like, sorry. I, uh, yeah, I, I do not want to just get hung up on that, that being the thing that doesn't work when there's so many other things we can talk about that don't work. Uh, so let's, let's move on. What, what else is just lacking in this season? Um, I know that I literally just said it as the most cohesive, but again, I think that there are certain threads that are never followed through there. When I like sit down and we sit here and we talk about it and I reflect on previous episodes, I think what happened to that one thing or, you know, something I thought was going to come into play later just isn't important and not in like a red herring kind of way, but in a we didn't think this through kind of way. Like a we forgot about it kind of way. (laughs) Yeah. And um, as much as I do like the introduction of some different mythology or like the more um, intense scrutiny on like the Celtic druidness of it all, I, again, like there's something about the lack of follow through there. Yeah. Where I'm like, I don't... Okay, so now how is that going to play into our understanding of Team Wolf going forward? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really learn that much more about Deaton, which I think that was a great avenue to do that with. Yeah, I actually think Deaton could have been a way... Like, Deaton is a bigger part of the next season, but, like, I, he could have been, like, you know... There was a moment where Allison a is... A little character. Or, it was either Allison or Lydia where she's like... Uh, Scott trusts you the most, tell him that's a bad idea. And I'm like, at what point have we ever been given to believe that Scott trusts Deaton the most? Well, we know that, well, we, I think after seeing that Deaton is the one to, to the only one who can pull Scott back from being under the water, that is a thing. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think this, this season, like it threw too many balls up in the air. To catch them all on the way down. Uh, And you know what? That brings me into kind of my next thing that doesn't work. I think everything is better if you cut out like four of the characters. Yeah. Too Too many characters. Too many. I think introducing Raphael at the end is weak. I think it would be more interesting if he showed up in the beginning of the next season. Um, Or even if that was like the final closing scene to this particular season, which it kind of is, but we've already had that introduction to him. Yeah. Even if it was just like him showing up to the house, flashing a badge and Scott being like, hi dad. Yeah. So simple. So easy. Yeah. Yeah. There were too many people to care about. And, and unfortunately what that meant is that a bunch of people who I still had interest in just died at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I'm still not over Erica being fridged. I think Boyd's death is bad. 
like Ennis dies so quickly that we don't even have any reason to I I we don't even really know why Ennis joins the Alpha Pack other than nope. being angry about something. I think he was there at the ambush with Gerard. I'm pretty sure I remember him being there. I I I, I can't you know like mm-hmm. it gets to the point where everybody where the sort of space is stretched so thin um that we can't even really focus on the things that we're interested in instead we're getting like random makeout scenes between Aiden and Lydia or like Derek and Jennifer and whatever and it's like that is uninteresting to me because you have too many other people I'm worried about I know I know that that is probably happening somewhere in the background yeah well I think that comes down to the issue of it being a teen show and it not being like for us for us like they do have to (laughs) drop in you know it's like this is sexy and like we're on MTV we make out um (laughs) Yeah, I that also kind of bothers me because I I love an ensemble show, but if the ensemble isn't even particularly consistent, it becomes incredibly hard to get you invested in any of those characters. You drop an incredible episode like Motel California and then boom, Boyd is dead. Like it is so frustrating yeah and it's interesting because we get introduced to a lot of new characters in the next season but because we have one villain Mm -hmm. and not an entire pack of people coming in or hunters or whatever like the people that we get introduced to like mainly um uh kira and malia become really interesting to us and like i am so pumped for malia i'll get into that when we start talking about what we're excited for um but yeah, there's just, it is really, it, it is, I admire the sort of um, attempt at, at, at making this all work, but like at the end of the season, I'm still sitting here like, the fuck just happened? Yeah. I mean, that to me, and I, it's been a while since we've done a comparison here, but that's like one of the big strengths of Buffy is that the there are new characters that are introduced every once in a while. There's like new boyfriends, new, you know, whoever's and people kind of come in for guest roles and the villains are different, but the core cast stays the same and you really get to go with them through Mm -hmm. a journey. And like when other, and when new people are introduced, it is incredibly jarring and it like changes the lives of the other characters, which is kind of what would happen. Um, so. There, a quick, quick, quick question, and maybe we should add this yeah. for all of our next uh, things coming forward. You know, we we talked what we were going to miss about the uh, the last season. Is there anything you missed from last season and this season? Not particularly. Interesting. Um, I did find myself being like, I wish Jackson was here. <laughs> yeah, I I have grown to like Jackson more and more. But I don't really, I don't really miss him particularly because I think of all the new characters that we have to deal with. That's um, true. I think I would have felt his absence a little more keenly if that had not been the case. Um, and I also just think that like season two was a little more exciting. <laughs> just it was a little more uh, adrenaline inducing. I think. Yeah. Um, and there was also I think the mystery got dragged out way longer. And also way better in, in season, season two. two. Well, because you clock Jennifer the fucking minute she walks in. And we knew Matt was evil because Styles tells us, but we didn't know in what way. Yeah. 
Um, so there was an air of mystery. Interesting. I just wanted to check in to see if there was anything. I think we can now talk about what we're looking forward to. Would you like to kick it off? Oh my God. 3B is my favorite season. It is so good. Uh, but I think the one thing that we are really looking forward to is Void Styles. The Dylan O'Brien <laughs> of next season is, oh. His performance is peak. unbelievable. It is so, so fucking good. I mean, we always say like he is the Teen Wolf King. But, like, in part, there are flaws to that season. Um, we both know them, but, like, it is so, so flippin' compelling to watch because you know every episode is going to be this, like, big styles venture. And it's, I think that that is so cool because I think there are very few teen shows where there is someone in the cast who is strong enough to carry something like that. And especially what we might consider a quote unquote secondary character. Yeah. Well, like, I, I don't know. Um, at this point, I Riverdale has fully embraced camp. Um, but there are certain times when you tell you can tell that the writers are trying to, like, imbue a scene with a certain, like, gravitas. Lily Reinhardt's really good. It's Look, a bummer she's on Riverdale. It, it really is. But then you have Archie saying things like, well, you've never experienced the highest highs <laughs> the, and lowest the lows epic, of high school football. The epic highs and lows of high school football. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's very exciting that you have cast members who are able to Yeah. It's also just, work. like, exciting for us as an audience to see what is, you know, undoubtedly the strongest cast member get rewarded in that mm-hmm. way. Well, and especially because Styles was pretty sidelined in this particular season. Um, not in a way that was like egregious. No. And he had, you know, he had really wonderful moments, but like, especially in the last couple of episodes, he very much becomes a character who is there steadily. We know his importance to Scott and we know his importance to the pack in general, but he is not the focus. Mm-hmm pretty much ever yeah so it's nice to have to return to that Mm -hmm. and his sort of focus in the next season also brings in the sheriff as a way bigger character Um, which i love so much they have some of the best moments in teen wolf together um i i love them i'm like just so stoked for like the very opening of 3b when he's going through the nightmares over and over again and it just cuts to him like screaming in his in bed and his dad coming in it's just like it lets you know immediately that like this season is gonna hit different yeah um and not in a tacky way no i'm excited for new mythology i was like kind of loving with teen when teen wolf was on the course of just sort of tackling a different country yeah (laughs) there is some stuff that's like problematic like i'm not exactly pumped for the like the Kira's grandmother like being in love with one of the guards at the internment camp. Oh my God, the biggest cringe. That's, why did they do that? But like, (laughs) but the fact that they have an episode that occurs in an American internment camp is crazy. It's crazy. And I also, I feel like so much of um, fantasy and supernatural media is so focused on like Western conceptions of the supernatural um, and fantasy. And so to branch out Mm-hmm. Um, and be exploring it's, other cultures, especially especially Japanese um, mythology. Especially to to, have, to set your show in California, mm-hmm. that's inherently going to be part of the culture because there's such a strong Japanese population in California. Like that is is particularly interesting to me. Yeah, to to acknowledge that we live in a society. We sure do. You know. Yeah. Um, what else are you looking forward to? Oh gosh. Um I'm really looking forward to Does Malia show up in the next 
in the next season. Yeah, yeah. she does. I am so, like, she is the ultimate shimbo. Like, I love Malia. Some of my favorite moments in the show come from Malia. I love her too. I think her origin story is fascinating. Yeah, I don't like that her weird I don't like that her romance with style starts where it starts in the next season but yeah I'm sure we'll have plenty to complain about then um but that's also a moment where like the sheriff gets to kind of feel like he didn't totally fuck up because she's still alive yeah um although I don't know it's very weirdly heavy but also like she is a bright light totally in the next season she just like wants to walk around and like wear Daisy Dukes and eat deer like good for her yeah I I love that we have two more female characters that are prominent in yes. the next season. Especially introducing a woman of color. Very important. Yeah. Um, I love Arden Cho. I wish she had stuck around for longer. Two. Um, and I know we were just complaining about having too many characters, but like, I think it really adds something. Well, I also said that like we're introducing two, not 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what else am I looking forward to? There's like specific episodes. I'm looking forward to Riddled. Who isn't? Oh, what an episode. It's And that's another episode that sort of breaks the form of Teen Wolf and like really draws you in. I'm pumped to see that. I I think one of Teen Wolf's specialities is that they give a lot more attention to like two people in a room than Most, a lot of yeah, and other I, teen shows. Like, and not to sound like a theater person. But I love two people in a room. But I love two people in a room. It's my favorite thing in the world. Mm-hmm. That's why I got that stupid BFA. It's compelling. Oh, it's it's the best. You know, what's the whole thing about, like, Chekhov is, like, lives are made and ended over a cup of tea. Cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you going to miss from the season? Mm, I'll tell you what I'm not going to miss. Bye, Gerard. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I forgot he's been in this season. You know, I, like, might miss Cora a little bit, but I feel like Malia comes in to sort of fulfill the Cora role. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna miss Derek, because he's not around a whole lot. No, I'll miss Derek. Um, especially because I think that they would have been in a good spot to explore more of his relationship with Scott following that last episode, mm-hmm. this episode. Um, so that's a bummer. Um... I'm going to miss Ducalian. I'm going to miss Ducalian. I love him. He comes back, which is cool. Like I'm that, that, you know, feeling of loss is not unending. Yeah. Um, but there's already a reformed villain in Beacon Hills and there probably was not room for another one. Yeah. Another classy villain. Yeah. Just a handsome man. <laughs> uh, how many times can we say that? I, one particular. He, okay, I feel like that we have been tiptoeing around the attraction to Deucalion, you know, in efforts of sounding like an intelligent podcast, but I, I don't care. Mm-mm. He is so... He's so dreamy. So, so attractive. Um, what are you going to miss? Um, um, I feel like I'm going to miss some of the light that was at the beginning of mm. this season even the episodes that are particularly heavy like the bus episode in it's so much daylight i feel like we actually do just get rid of all the daylight by the next episode by the next season it all happens at night yeah it all happens at night yeah luckily like kira can glow that helps that's very exciting yeah um i'm gonna sort of miss next season is when we really start getting into like there's all these different kinds of creatures and i'm gonna miss a little bit of the simplicity 
Yes. Um, I, I don't know. I actually, I feel like how long could Teen Wolf truly have just been about werewolves? That mm, Twilight is really only ever about vampires. Buffy is really only about vampires, but yeah. Um, I think it's smart. I think it's a smart choice. Okay. That's fair. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm going to miss a lot more at the end of next season, but because these seasons are both so good and they come in tandem, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm losing anything quite yet. Yeah. And also, um, it feels like, yes, it is a different plot. Um, but it feels like a continuation yeah, in I, a very smooth way. I also think the losses I've suffered in this season happened too early in the season for me to be like, like I've already processed like the loss of Boyd and Erica and mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm not, you know, yeah, they haven't been around. Nope. For the past couple of episodes for us to be sad. I think that wraps up this little, this wraps up three a, isn't that crazy? We're almost Wild. halfway through. That is insane to think about. Yeah. I think by the end of next season, we'll be halfway through. Wow. Right? It is so hard to imagine that, like, over a year ago, uh, we were in different states recording the same, the first episode ever. True. Uh, it, we'd actually be way farther than halfway <laughs> through if we had, did, hadn't been this crazy global pandemic. Shout out to COVID. Oh, COVID. Uh, I opened up the news this morning and literally every story was about it. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to move on. Uh, let's do it real quick. What, who is your alpha of the season? Scott. Scott. Duh. Scott. Scott. Duh. Scott. Duh. He, I just love him. Love him. I just love, he's so earnest. Yeah. And he tries so hard. He do. He really does. Um, I love that. Uh, I hope you guys have made it to the end of this incredibly long episode. Obviously, we do them longer for our wrap-ups. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope that you please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Um, if you want to be in on the discussion, please join our Facebook group, Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle, and we're on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf. You can follow our personal Twitters and Instagrams from all of those places. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that you care about us. Uh, finally, quick reminder, uh, we weren't kidding at the beginning of this episode. If you are of voting age in the United States, Figure out your voting plan. Figure out if you can vote early. Uh, if you haven't already registered, make sure you can still register in your state. Um, and other than that, we'll be back with some Halloweeny bonus episodes. Uh, and we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, woo! woo!